the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. One of the reasons why I've been so pessimistic about our country under the Biden administration is because as somebody who views everything in my life through the prism of my faith in Christ, I do not see and therefore am deeply troubled by the fact that I don't see anybody in the Biden administration who I would say is even making any attempt at all to live obediently according to biblical principles. I never contended, nor would I ever contend, that Donald Trump endeavored to live according to biblical principles. I don't have any issue with people who criticize his morality. It's a fact. He's been married multiple times and, you know, has said before, much to my chagrin and much to my um, sadness, that he doesn't see a need uh, for uh, forgiveness for anything that he's done in his life. Uh, We all have a need for forgiveness. I'm not saying that I'm a better person than Donald Trump, or I'm not saying I'm a better person than Joe Biden. I'm just saying I'm a different person because I'm someone who does not entrust my eternal future to anything I've done or to uh, my good standing in front of God, but because Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, died for my sins, rose from the dead to give me the opportunity for new life. And if I accept his sacrifice on my behalf, then I will have that. That is the Christian faith in essence. But I don't see anybody in the Biden administration who uh, understands that, prioritizes that, esteems that, believes that. The Trump administration was quite different. I always believed and always prayed that Donald Trump would be impacted by people like Mike Pompeo, by people like Mike Pence, by people like Ben Carson, by people like Kaylee McEnany. All four of them lived and professed and never hid from the fact that Jesus was their savior and that they knew he called them to live, therefore, Uh, in a certain way. So this week I took note when I saw that Francis Collins, the retired head of the National Institute of Health, had joined the Biden administration as a science advisor. Now, Francis Collins uh, labels himself an evangelical Christian, and I'm not here to tell you whether he is or he isn't, but I'm here to tell you uh, what Francis Collins said on a microphone where he also said he was glad the comments he was making were not being recorded. But first, let me tell you a little bit about what happened at the National Institute of Health under Francis Collins pre-COVID. Francis Collins, as director of the National Institute of Health, funded to the tune of $5.7 million research and... uh, surgeries that grew from that research, sexual gen- sexual reassignment surgeries on kids as early as the third grade, on kids as early as the third grade. Uh, that is a uh, heinous, horrendous, evil, horrible position to have taken, and Francis Collins has uh, played footsie with the truth of that over the years, and he has uh, at times denied that he knew anything about it. He is um, nevertheless responsible for it, and he has never fully repented of it, never has said that it's evil, and he does not take a position on 
transgenderism and what it does to kids and the suicide rate of kids who are transgender. So I have, I think, uh, reasonable suspicions about Francis Collins in that regard. And the other thing that when I saw Francis Collins has been hired as a science advisor to the Biden administration, do you think if Anthony Fauci retired, would Anthony Fauci reappear as a health advisor to Donald Trump, if Donald Trump were still president? Of course not, because Anthony Fauci doesn't like, doesn't share the viewpoints of Donald Trump. So for Francis Collins to join the Biden administration and unrepentantly pro-abortion administration, and Francis Collins to serve a role as science advisor in that administration, I find it to be a repudiation of his of the authenticity of his faith as a self-described evangelical Christian. But what is more noteworthy for our discussion right now is an investigative story in the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's site, Matt Walsh's site, two pro-life guys who are on the forefront of the battle to eradicate our country of the ridiculous and evil uh, Supreme Court decision from years ago where they found a constitutional right to abortion where it does not exist. So Francis Collins, in a story published by the Daily Wire, they got a hold of a tape from a an event at the University of Chicago, super liberal organization, super liberal academic bastion, University of Chicago, from October 26th of last year. Now, Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci have always maintained they're not political actors, right? Not political actors. No, 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 we're not political, not in any way. We're just following the science and all that kind of stuff. But in this October 26th event at the University of Chicago, um, Russell Moore, who's a theologian, and I think he's head of or used to be head of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, held this event at the University of Chicago on behalf of the Institute of Politics, which was founded by David Axelrod. All right, so you are a product of the people that you associate with, in my opinion. If you are associated with David Axelrod, you are associated with the University of Chicago, you are associated, as Francis Collins now is, with the Biden administration— Uh, That, to me, is a reflection on you. And it is also a reflection on Russell Moore. Now, Russell Moore said he invited Francis Collins to this because of the efforts they have made, and I quote, separately and together to deal with evangelical resistance to the COVID-19 vaccines and to COVID. Now, Moore, prior to this event, early last year, was head of the largest public policy arm of the largest uh, Protestant denomination in the U.S., as I said, Southern Baptist Convention. So Moore and Collins in the beginning were anti-vax, but that's when the Biden administration was not anti-vax, anti-vax mandate, anti-vax mandate. They were against vaccine mandates then because they didn't think that Joe Biden and Joe Biden's administration was going to impose a vaccine mandate. But, of course, we know that Joe Biden did institute a vaccine mandate, and Francis Collins shilled for that mandate. But worse, much worse than that, at this University of Chicago gathering, Francis Collins endorsed intimidation tactics for vaccine mandates. He said the U.S. government does have the authority to mandate vaccinations if there's an outbreak that's threatening people because it's not just about you, it's about the people you're going to infect And then he said, do mandates convince people who otherwise wouldn't get them? Oh, yeah. 
especially if it means losing your job. And then he goes on to talk about at the NIH, he threatened 2,000 people who were working there, and they got 46,000 employees. Uh, There's tons of government waste there. That if they did not get a vaccine, they were done. They were done. And here's what he said. Reality was sinking in, uh, even if you were pretty darn resistant. And he laughs, and he said, you get the feeling that their resistance was maybe not quite that deep-seated. They're sort of thinking to themselves, you know, maybe I really should do it, but if I do, I lose my credibility with my peeps. But if my employer made me do it, well, then I can say that I really didn't want to give in, and my friends will get it, you know, bonus points, because I'm now a victim. But they've also gotten the mandated vaccine that they kind of wanted anyway. What a condescending, presumptuous, arrogant view that is. But it gets worse. It gets worse because Francis Collins, big evangelical Christian, the guy who contends that, oh, yeah, I'm all about it, said this. Evangelicals have forgotten many times that freedom is not just about their rights. And he said, how many times have you heard, my freedom means I've got rights? Well, okay, you also have that other R word, responsibilities. That's what freedom is supposed to incorporate. So this guy is condescending when he is away from what he thinks is a microphone that is taking his words down. He is mocking people who are supposed to share or who he's supposed to share the same kind of faith with. And then, of course, he got around to exposing his true feelings about President Trump. And how many times did he and Anthony Fauci say, oh, no, 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 it's not personal with Trump. But he went on to say of Trump, every aspect of that president's character seems to be the opposite of what evangelical Christians would admire. Well, not every aspect, Francis Collins, because you're going to work for a president who willfully and unrepentantly advocates for the murder of innocent unborn children. And while... Donald Trump's Twitter and while Donald Trump's morality and Donald Trump's bluster are not aspects of his personality that I admire or would endorse, his staunch defense of the pro-life movement up to and including the naming of three Supreme Court justices who will be on the side, they better be at least, on the side of eradicating Roe versus Wade, you will know them by their fruit is a phrase that comes to mind. You will know them by their fruit. And so your fruit, Francis Collins, looks pretty spoiled to me. And your viewpoints that all along you've been about the science and you've been down the middle and you've not been a political actor, none of that looks authentic to me right now. I also don't find it authentic that Francis Collins has never admitted or acknowledged that he and Anthony Fauci demonize the three doctors from Oxford, Stanford, and I think Johns Hopkins, who authored the Great Barrington Declaration, all of whose major points have been substantiated and upheld by a closer look at COVID that Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci never wanted people to take because they just wanted us to believe what they said and chapter and verse follow what their words were. And he also, to this day, to this day, Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci have never acknowledged, nor has the Biden administration ever acknowledged. In all their criticism of Trump, the Trump administration and the deaths from COVID that took place while Donald Trump was in office, none of them, none of them have ever admitted that without vaccines, 
without the number of therapeutics that we have now to fight COVID. Less people, fewer people died from COVID or even with COVID under Donald Trump than have died with COVID from or during the administration of Joe Biden. So I say again, Francis Collins came off like a phony throughout his final days of his career at NIH. He has exposed himself as a phony. And so just because people tell you they believe something does not mean they authentically believe it. And it certainly does not believe that it governs every decision and every view of every major issue of our time as we are called to do as Christians. Interesting poll the other day saw results from a Quinnipiac poll. What if what's going on in Ukraine were to happen here? Now, I know we are not a country that, I mean, other than Mexico or Canada, which it's hard to envision Mexico or Canada invading us. Uh, we're a country that's always seemed impregnable from foreign invasion because of our oceans, right? That you can see danger coming a long way off. Canada's been a friendly country to us, although certainly lately with Justin Trudeau and what he did to the Canadian truckers, it seems very anti-American. And in fact, we found out Canada is very different than us in that they don't have the kinds of protections legally that we have here in the U.S. Mexico is a not a third world country necessarily, but but what if we were invaded? What if somehow a foreign power was able to come and land on our shores and, you know, uh, advance toward our capital in Washington, D.C., or, you know, come from the south, come from the north, I mean, they're coming from all areas except uh, the west side of Ukraine. So Quinnipiac asked this question of Americans. Now, we can't know exactly how we would react, of course, because we're not in that situation. But the answers are telling about who prizes freedom and who does not. Americans were asked, again, what they would do if they're in the same position as Ukrainians now. Would they stay and fight or would they leave the country? And a majority, thankfully a majority, say they would stay and fight. But only 55% of the people said that. So it's a majority, but it's not a super huge majority. 38%, 38%, almost 4 out of 10, say they would leave the country. How does it break down along political lines? As you might expect, Republicans, 68-25. 68% stay, 25% leave. I'm surprised 68% is not higher. I'm surprised 25% is not lower. But that's a pretty good breakdown. Independence, independence. 57% say they would stay. 36% uh, say that they would leave. Uh, Democrats, 52%. 52% would stay. So I guess they're consistent because their positions tell us, their words tell us that they hate our country. They believe it's systemically racist. They believe that it is discriminatory. They believe that it was founded uh, in a flawed fashion. So I guess uh, they're at least living to their uh, stated beliefs. But here's where it really gets depressing, okay? Of all political persuasions, of all political persuasions, in the age demographic, 18 years old to 34 years old, of Americans who say they would stay and fight, 18 to 34, is 45%. Outnumbered by those who say they would leave the country, 48%. 6% say they don't know or it would not apply to them. So among our youngest people, our theoretically most robust, uh, able people, those are the ages of most people in the military, 18 to 34, half of them say they would leave. More of them say they would leave than would stay and fight. Now, do I think that number would 
turn out to be true. I think what's actually true is more people would leave than say they would leave. I think it's hard to admit you would leave. I think it's hard to say, yeah, I'm a coward or, yeah, freedom doesn't mean anything to me or whatever I have here, you know, I'm not willing to fight for it. I don't think that's a flattering self uh, portrayal to give people. So I actually think the percentage would be higher. How does it break down according to age as you get older? Those 35 to 49. So up to age 49, you're talking about people who were born in 1970 or after. Those would be people who would have had possibly, possibly parents who served in World War II. But it's more likely that those 50 to 64 had parents who served in World War II. And among that demo, the 50 to 64, 66%, two-thirds of the people say they would stay and fight. Those 35 to 49, 57% say they would stay and fight. So the older you are, the older you are, the more in touch you are with what America gave up to preserve its freedom in World War II. The the older you are, uh, even of an era where in Vietnam you understood the danger of communism and you saw how uh, soldiers were treated when they came home from Vietnam, and if you don't know, they were treated very, very poorly, uh, the percentage goes down. But still, it's a robust two-thirds. But as you get younger and as you get down to ages 18 to 34, it's 45%. Now, I would also account for this from the fact that people 18 to 34 have been indoctrinated most recently in our colleges and universities where there is decidedly now a much more anti-American viewpoint than there was when I went to college in the 1980s. That's very common now. We're very open now, academia is at least, with its hatred toward America and with the values of America that it thinks, as I said before, are misplaced or mislabeled and aren't really there for all factions of America. So it's a depressing poll. And I don't think this is the reason why Vladimir Putin invaded, but I think this kind of mindset is what Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, the Ayatollahs in Iran, and other dictators around the world believe is how America will truly respond to adversity. And I would like to think that we would respond differently, but am I convinced that we would respond differently? No, I'm not convinced of that at all. I'm absolutely not convinced of that because you can tell it from the way that our country united after 9-11, that was a shock to our system. Terrorism had never been visited on our shores to that degree. We were going to fight. We were all in. There was this minor, minor, minor sliver of people who were like, oh, don't be mean to the uh, Islamic people, and it's not their fault and stuff like that. But if 9-11 or an event like it happened now, you would hear so much more of, well, America had this coming. You deserve this. You brought this upon yourself. We hear that now. Back then, it was a very, very small minority of people who would A, think it, or B, say it. But now, we are in an age where, because we have prospered liars who contend that our country was founded with a racist foundation, that it is set up for the elites, that you do not have a chance to raise yourself out of poverty to better yourself, that the deck is stacked against you, that is a defeatist attitude, that is an excuse maker's attitude, that is an attitude that excuses a person's own personal failure to avail themselves of the way that things work here in the U.S., invent a better mousetrap, prosper yourself, lift yourself up. Those kinds of stories were the American dream back in the day. Those kinds of stories are personified by people like Ben Carson, by people 
who, you know, untold numbers of people who had nothing and now have a lot. But the older we get, the softer we get, the more addicted to our luxuries and to our distractions we get. And so I'm not surprised that of Americans asked, would you stay and fight? Would you leave the country? Turn tail and run. Right now, only 55% of the country say they would stay. 38% say they would leave. And as you trend younger on the list of people as they are asked that question, more and more and more of them say, nah, I'm leaving. This place is not worth fighting for. It's a sad commentary on where we are, but I think as much as it hates, I hate to say it, I think it's an accurate commentary on where we are. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.